Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include Kicking the Can Down the Road, My Interview with Key Spires Michael Saracini on Housing Affordability Problems and the Best Advice for Young Potential Homeowners, and Is a Soft Landing Becoming Less Likely? Thanks to this week's podcast sponsor, True. As lending AI pioneers, True creates accurate data that powers automation and optimizes every step of the lending lifecycle, helping lending organizations rapidly process loans, dramatically cut costs and risk, and radically improve the customer experience. This is Lending Intelligence. Welcome to the fourth quarter. Will lenders experience any euphoria? Let's talk lists. California, Indiana, Michigan, Texas, and Virginia lead the nation in pumpkin growing. In other top five lists, the National Association of Realtors, U.S. Chamber of Commerce, Pharmaceuticals, American Hospital Association, and Blue Cross Blue Shield are the leading lobbying spenders in the U.S. Then you can add the Internal Revenue Services Income Verification Express Service, or IBES, to the list of essential government activities that will continue to operate in the event of a government shutdown. We won't have to worry about that until mid-November, as the government kicked the can down the road and passed a continuing resolution that averts a government shutdown to November 17th. Yes, one thing to temporarily not worry about is HUD, Virginia May and FHA included, USDA and the VA will continue to operate uninterrupted. And for a bonus, the bill also includes $16 billion in disaster aid and an extension of the National Flood Insurance Program. For today's interview, I want to welcome to the show Key Spires Michael Saracini to talk about housing affordability problems and the best advice for young potential homeowners. He's an entrepreneur and real estate investor with over 20 years of experience. He turned a small government loan into a multi-million dollar real estate company that allowed him to retire at a young age, and he now focuses on adding value to people through personal development and education, as well as adding value to land through strategic partnerships and development. His team has trained more than 100,000 real estate investors. This is actually very timely because I'm in Phoenix right now for the Arizona Association of Mortgage Professionals Conference, and I want to talk housing affordability and, and particularly in the West, it seems that there's a, a general lack of it, which everybody knows. But why is it particularly acute in the West? Yeah, affordability is one of the main focuses right now for homeowners, home buyers, and and real estate investors. And it's just because of the you know the the, the definition, the calculation. We're looking at incomes, and we're looking at house prices. You know, we're at a point in history, a multi-decade point, where house prices have gone up much faster than incomes proportionately. And so we're looking at that all across the country. But in the West, you have some really unique things that have happened to really accelerate this process or really make this gap much greater. You know, you have we have obvious political differences in uh, in the West and in California in particular, where we see in other places. And that drives uncertainty. And when you're getting into uncertainty, uh, you're getting into into moments where it becomes a little harder to buy a home. Um, but really what we're looking at is this, this ratio of affordability to income, uh, house prices to income. So you have 
house prices in the West and you know in California in particular are one of the highest in the country. Your million dollars or more to get into a a you know decent neighborhood if you want to um, uh, be somewhere in California. Uh, at the same time, uh, incomes haven't risen the same, but expenses have gone up. You know, we've got increased property taxes recently. You're hearing celebrities moving out of California because the property taxes are just so so crazy on their uh, very expensive properties. And so when you have this, when you have the income down, the net income going down, or the cash flow of people's month to month or, or annual, plus the house prices are so high. That just drives the affordability calculation to be you know, one of the worst in the country in the West. And so, you know, with that, you see, you generally see a migration. You're you're hearing of the celebrities move out, but you're there's also, you know, there's also the general population is looking elsewhere for somewhere with more affordable property taxes, more affordable personal income taxes. And so even if the home price doesn't change in another state or another part of the country, when your expenses are lower, your affordability automatically becomes better. I want to get to migration in one second, but before we do, I have a lot of friends ask me about the right time to buy a house or what rates are going to do because they are concerned about affordability. And what I would say to them though is even if rates come down, that could kind of goose home prices higher. So it's not like that's going to be the solution for home affordability. Are we kind of at a a new normal where it's going to be real tough in an affordability sense for uh, the foreseeable future? Yeah, I totally agree with you, Rob. The rates really have nothing to do with your decision to buy a home or an income property at this point, because as the rates go down, the prices generally go up because people can afford more. You know, so uh, the affordability calculation doesn't really change as interest rates go down. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, as far as the best time to buy a property, I don't base that decision. And at Keyspire, we don't teach our members to base that decision based on interest rates. We're basing that decision on a, on a number of other factors, and in particular, you know the the profitability of a property. When it comes to buying a property, if it's your own home, can you afford it? If it's an income property or a, some sort of investment property, does the property P and L statement, the profit and loss, does it actually make you any money? And the interest rate is just a little calculation in there. It's not a decision driver, but it's just part of the way to to calculate your decision. So I had a. Uh a guest on the podcast last week who who works for uh, a risk solutions company and he specializes in climate disasters and he said even if even with these disasters we're not quite seeing migrational patterns as a result of this just yet but as you mentioned in your opening answer it sounds like we are seeing migrational patterns change and there there's been a big upheaval in general whether that was people during the pandemic moving to metros like Boise Idaho or now it sounds like affordability driving people uh, to change where what state they're living in. Where are we seeing these migrational patterns change, and and what kind of in general what are you seeing? Is it is it really making that much of a difference at this point? Yeah, I, I think there's a there's a couple layers here. Certainly, migrational patterns are one of the the main drivers of of uh, making money in real estate, being profitable in real estate, because real estate prices are supported by population. So you really want to understand the migrational patterns. Um, now, as far as the migrational patterns due to uh, things like disasters or climate change, we are uh, we're hearing from our members that this is a a part of their decision to move or to decide where they're going to purchase real estate, but it's not a main driver at this point. I don't think um, 
especially anyone who doesn't live in an area that is prone to disasters, it's not a major decision of of migration or purchasing real estate at this point. I think it's more about the numbers. It's it's just can you afford a house in a certain area? Can we afford to live somewhere? And if we're barely affording a, a house in a certain location and they just raised my income taxes or property taxes just went up, then all of a sudden I I have to move. You know, all of a sudden I I don't really have a choice. So I have to find different markets that are more friendly to to my personal finance situation. So I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing people move because of the money, uh, as opposed to because of any sort of uh, you know geo- physical disaster or climate change. I think people are moving uh, politically as well because of you know policies and values. But that's that's outside of the scope of something that you can kind of predict in terms of real estate. You can predict the numbers and you can work with the numbers. And not to belabor the the point here, but. Why is this affordability issue so tough on young people that are looking to purchase a home? Uh, there's obviously the sooner somebody can get in the home buying game and start building equity, the better it's going to be for their overall wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they they have less of it than older generations. But talk about talk about the younger generation for a second here. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Robbie. The younger generation is getting hit the hardest, and there's no doubt that. Every generation is having a challenge now buying a home because of this issue of uh, of the money. But the young people are getting hit the most, and that is because they are uh, they have they have the biggest problem of the biggest problems, which is finding the down payment to buy a home and the monthly payments. So when you're young, when you're starting out, your income isn't as great as somebody that's decades ahead in the future, just in terms of averages, and you know going through the uh, the corporate progression and getting your raises. So their income is very low and they haven't had decades or even years to save up a down payment. So it's a double whammy for young people. They don't have the down payment to buy a home and they can't afford the monthly payments. This was exactly where I was when I started. I was a broke student. I didn't have any income to cover the payments and I had very little money for a down payment. So I had to come up with a solution. And it's interesting, Robbie, that 23 years later, our members are still using the exact same solution that my business partner and I came up with 23 years ago to solve these two issues. And it just, it goes to show that it's not a today issue. It's just an issue when it comes to investing in real estate, coming up with the down payment and covering the monthly payment. And finally, before I let you go today, Michael, what are your tips for young people that are looking to purchase homes? Any, any advice or wisdom you can share here? Absolutely. And we've, we've dealt with hundreds, if not thousands of young people and help them purchase their home or their income property. So here's here's a couple things that I would do right off the bat. First of all, young people need a new model. They are running the old model, the model from the 50s and the 60s, where affordability was was great. You know, they're saying affordability at 30%, you know, 30% of your annual income you should spend on your house. Well in the 50s it was much greater than that. So we're running a model from the 50s right now. What is that? You're going to go to school. You're going to get a great job. You're going to go work for someone. You're going to contribute to your retirement savings accounts, build up that 401k or IRA. And then you're going to retire miraculously at 65 or 60 if you're lucky. And everything's going to be taken care of and you're going to have the house paid for. That does not work anymore. That is the model from a different era. And the young people are still learning that model from their parents and from their grandparents. So what young people need is a brand new model. They need to have a model that works for today. And that model is very simple. Number one, you're not going to save your down payment. 
you're probably not going to save your down payment. So don't even try. It's going to take you 10 years to save your down payment at these at these prices. So you have to find your money from other sources. So number one, you need to find other people's money in order to buy your first property. So that's the number one thing that they need to do. Stop trying to save your down payment. Partner with someone. Get that down payment from external sources. The second thing they need to do is have a way to cover those monthly payments. It doesn't come out of your pocket. You don't want to work hard to pay your monthly payments. You want somebody else to work hard to pay your monthly payments. So you have to find a way to have that property become an income property so that your monthly payments are partially or even fully covered. When I bought my first property, I had I bought a five-bedroom house. I lived in one bedroom and I had four tenants in the other four bedrooms. They had their own kitchen. They had their own area. But Robbie, I lived in that house absolutely free. It was the biggest house on the street. It was the biggest house out of anyone I knew. And it was absolutely free. I lived in there. I had no monthly payments. My affordability was infinity because it cost me nothing. So I encourage young people to stop trying to save their down payment, find that money from external sources, and find a way to have the monthly payments covered by somebody else, or you're just working too hard for your house. You need the house to work for you. That's an excellent point. And there there are a lot of down payment assistance programs that are out there, government subsidized programs. Maybe this is a, a good time to segue into to Keyspire. You'd mentioned your members here a couple of times, and I know Keyspire is all about uh, education, removing the mystery of real estate investing. And I like that. Can you can you talk about right. what Keyspire is doing and, and how you're benefiting your members? Yeah, that's right. Our core purpose is to put people in control of their future by removing the mystery of real estate investing. So to, to unbox that for a little bit, we want to put people in control of their future. We're not necessarily out there to make billionaires and you're going to buy a private jet within a couple of years of being with Keyspire. That's not what we're after. We're after people that want to feel in control. You're out of control right now. You can't, the payments or the debt, or you're making great money, but you're seeing 20 years in the future, it's not going to continue. You're not going to retire. You want to be in control. So we put people in control of their future. And the way that we know best to do that is through real estate investing. It is the tried, tested, and true way that you can have control of your future uh, is by investing in real property. So we have uh, our coaches. We have a whole group of coaches. And our job is to coach our members through this process. So like I just talked about, how do you come up with that down payment? How do you come up with down payment? We want to coach you through that. How do you uh, purchase an income property so that your tenants are paying all of the rent of your home? And you can even live there with your family in one of the units and everything else is paid for by somebody else. That's what we coach people at through a Keyspire. And it, as soon as you do that, even just that little thing, you now feel fully in control of your future and your confidence goes through the roof in terms of what's possible. Awesome. Well, I very much encourage people to check it out, keyspire.com. Uh, there's some good information on there. And Michael, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. I enjoyed this. Thank you, Robbie. It's always great to talk to a professional that knows what he's doing. So thank you. <laughs> That'll be your next interview. The month and quarter ended on Friday, and it was, to put it mildly, an awful month for bonds and mortgage-backed securities, and therefore mortgage rates. The Fed's restrictive monetary policy has tightened financial conditions by design, and 30-year fixed-rate mortgages closed the month at nearly 7.5%, up roughly 30 basis points over the past 30 days. The 10-year currently sits around 4.6%, a far cry from the 1.5% yield it paid in the weeks leading up to the Fed's initial rate hike in March 2022, or the 51 basis points low in August 2020, or even the 3.31% it closed at on April 6th of this year. 
It closed Friday up 13 basis points for the week and 48 basis points for the month. The Fed is showing no sign that it is going to pivot back to an easy money policy anytime soon. The first Fed funds cut is forecast for next summer, 2024. Is a soft landing becoming less likely? The effects of the auto worker strike, higher energy prices, and student loan repayment resumption may ripple through the economy in the form of lower consumer spending and a slowdown in hiring. The potential federal government shutdown in mid-November throws a curveball at the Fed, which admittedly relies on economic data reports to enact forward-looking policy. Meanwhile, the year-over-year core PCE index, which excludes food and energy, declined to 3.9% in August, its lowest annualized pace since early 2001. The latest update to second quarter GDP was unrevised to 2.1% annualized growth. However, consumer spending growth was revised down from 1.7% to 0.8%. Durable goods orders in August rose 0.2%, exceeding market expectations for a 0.5% decline as new orders for defense aircraft and parts jumped 19.2%. Excluding defense, orders for capital goods increased 0.9%, as businesses continue to invest in equipment. The resilience of the economy up to this point has increased the prospects of a soft landing in the eyes of some Fed officials. However, recent economic headwinds have increased the level of uncertainty, which could have implications for future Fed policy. This week culminates with the September payrolls report on Friday, and expectations are for 170,000 in the headline figure. Several labor market indicators are also on the calendar, including Jolt's job openings tomorrow, ADP employment on Wednesday, and Challenger job cuts on Thursday. Other releases of interest include PMIs, construction spending, factory orders, trade, and consumer credit. The Fed speak is on the heavy side, including four speakers today. Regarding MBS, agency prepayments will be released after Thursday's close. Today's calendar kicks off with the final September S&P Global Manufacturing PMI later this morning. It will be followed by ISM Manufacturing PMI for September and construction spending for August. We begin the day, week, month, and quarter with agency MBS prices worse than Friday night by an eighth to a quarter and the tenure yielding 4.62 after closing Friday at 4.57%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. I've received some disappointing news. I've been diagnosed with occupational lethargy disease, or old, which is currently an incurable disorder characterized by overpowering drowsiness. According to my doctor, patients never anticipate contracting old. It's an unexpected abnormal state of being dull, listless, and unenergetic. I can expect increased daily moments filled with indifference or sluggish inactivity, as the disorder progresses. Scientists are working on a cure for having occupational lethargy disease, but are years away from developing any kind of treatment or vaccine. Research has shown that most Americans over the age of 50 will end up getting old, and it's particularly prevalent in men. For some good news, I received my age support server certification. I'm now officially an ass. Thanks again to True for sponsoring today's podcast. To learn more about lending, intelligence, and True, visit true.ai slash solutions slash lending dash intelligence. 
Make smart landing decisions. Fast, but true. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.